I'm here with Abdul Haboub. He's a director of account development at Densify, which is a predictive machine learning powered analytics. Abdul, your values are exactly what I preach here on this podcast. I'm really pumped to have you here. Thanks, Sergey. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and do this with you. Uh, I think you're doing a lot of great work, man. Thank you. Really, I appreciate that we are doing. I think this is episode 22 or 23, and uh, it's really picking up with the podcast. And I'm super excited to have people like you who talk about mindset, sales, and just you know being an immigrant, such a different journey. And we will dive into it. But let me. So the first question I had about for you is: you spent your career in a number of different sales roles, and right now you're obviously director of account development. Where did it all start? How did you end up being in sales? Yeah, uh, well, so that's that's a great question. Uh, just kind of jumping back to the whole being an immigrant immigrant thing. Um, uh, between the age of seven to around thirteen, uh, I lived uh, in Beirut in Lebanon. And um, I just so happened to live within walking distance of the, like the only store in the entire country, basically, that sold video games. And I was like absolutely obsessed with video games when I was a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. So I walked into the store and, you know, this guy's selling products and games that are all kind of made, manufactured in English. And he spoke zero English. Uh, so, so when I went in <laughs> to, to, to buy some games for my Nintendo 64, which had just been released, um, and I couldn't find any games in Lebanon. When I went there, uh, he kind of picked up on the fact that I could read English and speak Arabic and that I could translate what was happening on the games. And I kind of had this, you know, Western idea of which games were popular and which ones were going to be successful. So it actually turned out to be a little match made in heaven. I get it. I was 10 years old. I wasn't a salaried employee. Um, but, you know, we had a little bit of an agreement where I'd be in the store and I'd sell to customers that come in. And I would uh, mm-hmm. kind of upsell them on the value of different consoles and different games and why they should have two controllers and why they should wait a little bit for this more expensive console to come out. Um, and in return, I would get free games to take home and just bring back so I could keep games for as long as I wanted. So, you know, Sounds realistically, like yeah, it was, I mean, for a 10-year-old up, up until the age of 13, it was amazing. Uh, you know, it, the value of the video games and consoles that I got was probably in the thousands, but I mean, I didn't care. I was a kid. I just wanted to play games. So that was really my, my first exposure to, to selling and customer service, if you will. Um, and believe it or not, like I, I don't attribute any of my, my sales skills uh, or passion for, I definitely attribute the passion for sales that I have for sales today to my early exposure to it. But there really is some something beautiful about uh, getting really comfortable with talking to strangers very early on in your life as a child that just makes it so much easier later on in life. And I think that's something that, that is still true about me. It, you can't exactly teach it, uh, but you can definitely show it. And by example, um, you know, demonstrate to people how it, it's okay to be comfortable talking to strangers uh, and how to open up and get comfortable and have effective communication with people that you don't really know all that well. Yeah, 100%. I think it's definitely starts in uh, in the early age. And then it's amazing sometimes to just step back and reflect like, oh my God, like these people, I haven't even, I just met them five minutes ago. And then you're like already a best friend. And even if you like when you're doing an onsite or just meeting them in person, it's just amazing how quickly that rapport could be built. Yeah. And then that ability to build rapport really quickly is, is, is super critical. Uh, you often don't have a lot of time to, to, to do that. Um, so being comfortable to take risks and do it is uh, definitely something that's very valuable to anybody in sales. And, you know, uh, I've worked in a number of call centers, like, uh, you mm-hmm. know, for some of the telecom companies here in Canada, 
um, and, and the banks as well. And, you know, they're always hiring in their call centers. And I'm not saying like going to a call center is a great place to start if you want to get into sales, but, um, you know, getting practice at having conversations at scale and very high volume with people you don't know and trying to convince them of things that they didn't know about 20 minutes ago. Um, it's just a, it's a great avenue to take and get that kind of exposure. Totally. It's like all it sets and wraps all the time. And then it, it starts with being like three line script and then you go into more complex uh, freestyle sort of way. Totally. Yeah. I was curious in terms of the common myths that uh, exist in sales that are uh, relevant for the teams that you manage from sales development and business development teams. What is the myth that a lot of people believe in that is not actually true? Yeah. So uh, I'll mention two quick things. And one of them we talked about before. Uh, the, right. prim the primary one being um, the fact that people believe that your top performing sales reps are the people who are mostly aligned to uh, financial gain and that they're in it for the money and that what they want is to make as much money as possible. Um, I think people who feel good about making money would make great sales reps because it'll push them to kind of repeat that, you know, the pleasure of getting mm -hmm. a huge paycheck, which is nice. Uh, but people who are in it for the money will always find creative ways to make more money. And the minute that that's no longer you or your business, they're they're going to leave. Um, they're not necessarily going to provide you with ways that you can be more profitable, how you can improve the product, your go-to-market strategy, or anything like that. And then that's that's critical today because uh, your sales reps are your frontline form of feedback mm -hmm. uh, from the, the market that you're trying to engage with. And so um, that's number one. Right. Uh, I think number two is also something that we've touched on lightly, which is just the fact that um, activity metrics, mm. huge. Uh, oh, yes. yes. This, this is from a leadership standpoint. Uh, activity metrics are not necessarily the leading indicators of the results that you want from a sales team. Uh, putting in the effort isn't necessarily measured by the number of activities that sales reps are doing. Um, and, you know, we talked about if there was a way to track the emotional impact that people, mm -hmm. that sales reps make on prospects, um, how memorable they were, and whether or not anything they spoke about was of value rather than entertaining or conveniently timed, um, I think those would be some of the real indicators of potential outcomes and not, you know, dials or meetings or discussions or even right. talk time. Um, that's aside from the fact that all of it can be faked. We already know that. Yeah. It's just the fact that even if it's true, it's not necessarily leading to the long-term mm. impacts. It might help you this quarter. It's not necessarily going to help you over the next fiscal year or a couple of fiscal years. So focus on the outcome always. 100%, yeah. Um, and it, that's hard to figure out what are the leading indicators for it. Uh, but you know, to think that every in, in every industry at every company, the leading indicators for pipeline and for revenue are the same uh, is kind of naive, I think. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. So... We both know that sales is a super hard job. I was in business development before. It, it's a lot harder than in others. There's, there's quite a bit of hustle involved. And mindset is one of the things that is super important. Uh, how, what mindset does someone need to be successful in a sales role? In, in a, in a, not in a way that, as we talked a little bit about, you know, like a t typical sales job, like a f sort of old playbook, but in the way that is, leverages the, the important things, the value stuff. So there is, I mean, I actually think that that's a really good question because mindset, um, you can inspire people to have a different mindset. 
you can't coach them into it and you can't condition i mean maybe you can condition them into it but not in a humane way that's allowed to be done at work like electroshock therapy i don't think you can do that um but in terms of mindset there's um i spoke to you about a book uh, called resilience by eric greatens right and one of the cool things that he talks about which i've shared with actually a couple of my teams is um you know rather than going through the motions of life and experiencing something which in sales is often failure and rejection and then letting your the way you feel dictate the way you act and therefore the way you act defining what your identity is mm. uh, something that you alluded to is when you were in a sales role right. you listened to the calls of some of the more successful people within your organizations to see what you could learn and so that actually is what made me remember this is mm-hmm. the fact that if you can look for a model and mm-hmm. the model doesn't always stay the same that model will change with time to, as your goals change right. but if you look for a model that represents something that you want to be start there start with I- the identity so establish the identity that you want to have and then look at the behaviors mm-hmm. that make up that identity that you want and then the way you feel will be an outcome of the identity that you've chosen and the behaviors that you've uh, expressed rather than having it the other way around where the way you feel drives your behavior and your behavior drives your identity start with who you want to be and have that be uh, a, a choice that you've made rather than a consequence of your circumstances such a great step yeah so if you I mean, so if you if you go into work saying hey i want to be the most successful sales rep this company's ever had and you look for that most successful sales rep figure out what worked for them and why it worked and then have that be your identity i am the most successful sales rep visualize it arnold schwarzenegger yeah. Yeah. visualize who you're going to be reps that's right. Visualize who you're going to be. Identify the behaviors that align to that identity. And then let those behaviors drive your emotions. Um, and I think that that is the optimal mindset because you become accepting of failure, accepting of rejection, and understanding that those are the behaviors that make the identity that you're pursuing. Yeah, it's so important. I totally agree with identity. I think it's such a big part, understanding what type of person you want to be, why, and then working on that. Uh, I forgot who said it, but it was uh, it, like it was some, someone on uh, personal development. They said, uh, really create two columns, the people that you really admire and what are the char- characteristics of those people, and then another column of people that you hate. And then fo- and look at that list every day, and then follow the follow the characteristics of people who you want to be, and then over time, over a couple of months or a couple of years, you'll find yourself uh, having the same qualities of the person that you admire. <laughs> I I mean, I agree. I I don't I don't know what the rest of that philosophy is because I I do also think that there is a lot to learn from the people that you hate. So yes. I don't know what you do with that other list, um, but <laughs> but you know there's definitely I mean a lot of my person personally a lot of my growth and development has come from the lessons I've learned from the people who absolutely pushed me to my limits to the point where I, I had to really express a lot of discipline in in being civil and being diplomatic. Um, so I learned a lot from them, and I, I actually probably owe them a lot. I'll never tell them because I hate them, yeah. um, <laughs> but I definitely owe those people a lot. But yeah, totally and. The important thing is if you're gonna if you're gonna follow that philosophy and that approach, then it becomes paramount that you are constantly revisiting your list of role models, depending on your circumstances and the desired outcomes mm-hmm. and what you want. No, absolutely, totally. Now, what to differentiate someone in sales who exceeds their quota and is really really good from someone who is extraordinary? And um, 
you know, and everyone is trying to recruit them. So somebody who's really, really good, but somebody who is just that next level. What is, what are some of the things that, that are distinctly different about those people from your experience? Um, there is, uh, there is a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Have you, have I think you read I've this heard, book? I think I've heard about yeah. it. Yeah. So it's like, it's a bit of a sales and marketing kind of thing. You might know it because uh, Dave Gerdhart uh, from Drift. Oh, really? Loves it. So I, I got to check it out. He's now. talked about it before. It's on the list. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good book. And one of the things he talks about is that no matter what your strategy is, and he has a few strategies that he proposes, whatever your strategy is, um, stubbornness and pigheaded discipline is the number one characteristic of successful salespeople. And I, I 100% agree with that. Um, I think being absolutely disciplined is the most important thing. And so I've, I've told some, some people that I've provided mentoring to um, early in their sales career, and I'm mm -hmm. fortunate to be in a position where some people have come to me for mentorship, um, that you know, it's okay if you don't hit quota, if you know why. Right. Okay. As a sales leader, if you didn't hit quota, and you can't tell me why. You can't tell me why the accounts you were tasked with going after wouldn't buy. You can't tell me why you couldn't manage to get a hold of them or couldn't get in front of them or couldn't persuade them. Mm. That is a real problem. Uh, so when you're disciplined, you're never going to come out of a scenario where you failed and not understand why you didn't fail. As a matter of fact, we, you, you and I talked about this. I want you to fail. Yeah. I need you to fail. If you don't fail, you're not learning anything. If you're not getting uncomfortable, you're not being so exposed true. to anything new. Um, so I think that having the discipline to stay the course, to document everything, I mean, even mentally, I don't mm. mean write it down, but right. take a mental note of why something worked or didn't. Um, you might not be the best sales rep today, but you'll get to a point where you're consistently good and you're consistent at getting better, which is probably the most important aspect of all of this. Yeah, such a such an important part, and we'll link the the book. We'll link the the book uh, in the description below, so everybody yeah, can grab it. It's a good book. Yeah, I'm I, I'm super excited to read it's it. Better on Audible because he's a very good storyteller, and uh, he Chet Holmes himself reads the whole book, so it's it's good. It's amazing. I I, love, I think I have a free credit on Audible, by, so there you go. I, I know where I'll to, give where you to one spend if it. You don't. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about hiring, and it's super important now. You do a lot of hiring and team building. When you're hiring for a sales role, what are the characteristics of people that you talk about? And we, we talked a little bit about the concept of resumes. You have mm -hmm. some amazing theories. So maybe you could talk about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm one, of the one of the firm believers today that the resume's got to go the way of the dodo. It's done. It's expired. Yeah. It serves mm -hmm. no value. Mm -hmm. um, Unless, you know what, like if you're hiring for a creative role, I think a resume is a great way to measure creativity. And I think that really if, if you're being creative, your resume is not a piece of paper with your job descriptions so on true. it. So right? true. Um, so it is an opportunity to express uh, creativity. And I'm all for that. Um, I think when we're looking at sales roles and we're looking at... Uh, people who are going to deliver some results, which is typically what we want from salespeople. There's very specific results that we expect from them. I think there's two reasons why a resume uh, is irrelevant. I think A, uh, your success somewhere else does not necessarily is not necessarily an indicator of your potential success here. A. Second of all, resumes are bullshit. Uh, everybody everybody yeah. fabricates. Nobody, you know, I. I I don't expect you to put on a resume why you failed at something. And if you did, you'll probably embellish a little bit and mm. not make it look as bad as you did. And then even when you did, uh, if you do provide a resume with some 
indicators of where you failed, you're probably going to spend the next few minutes explaining to me why it wasn't your fault that you failed. Right. So it's really the conversation's going to go nowhere. So I'd rather not play that game. Um, I'd rather get to really know a person, understand some of the decisions they've made in their life and why they've made those decisions, uh, and then introduce them to some of the business problems that I want to have them solve for me and get their perspective on how they would solve it. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm not hiring someone who's going to be a perfect fit. I'm hiring someone who I can get along with um, and not from like, hey, you know, let's go have a beer and crack some jokes and it'll be fun. Mm -hmm. But will, do, you, do you take criticism well? Um, will you be critical of me? Will right. you tell me if I'm not doing enough to support you and your success? Um, and that can't be done through a resume. So mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important to get to know people very well um, and to put them through some real-life scenarios. Like a, like a role play to me is absolutely mandatory. I think most salespeople do it, um, but they only do it after they see a resume that they like, which mm -hmm. to me completely irrelevant, especially with how quickly uh, our, our economy is changing. Right. And, you know, what a startup was 10 years ago is so different from what a startup is today. And so the skill set required um, to be successful is also changing. So I, I just don't see the point of resumes anymore. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, such an important values. And, and like, I, I could, I, like, I, I definitely see a lot of this happening in uh, when, when I was looking for my first job in sales and uh, when I was looking for my, uh, was looking for in the next role after that. What about, um, Abdul, what about the hiring process? Like, what are some of the things that you're looking for? Uh, obviously, resume is not as important as it used to be. But in terms of, like, the, the body language, maybe the, the, the way that people react and the type of questions that you ask, what, what are you? What, what was your process like? Uh, so my 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 questions, uh, I I can't. It, it, the questions that I ask are really dependent on the person, right? So I can't yeah. get too specific. But I can tell you that my questions are aimed at uh, identifying whether or not someone uh, is self-aware uh, and. Uh, humility is important to me so I look for people who are humble and I look for opportunities for them to uh, actually showcase humility and if they fail to do that for me it's very unlikely that I'm, I'm going to be wanting to hire that person um, because we've talked about this earlier mm. yeah. and one of the things that's really really important is uh, being comfortable with failure because I don't care who you are as a sales rep the most successful sales professional in the world he or she has failed multiple times and that's part of why they're good um, so I look for people who can recognize times that they failed at something uh, and then kind of communicate to me uh, what, it, what it was that they learned from it and how they could get better. So when, I, when I'm hiring and when I'm interviewing, uh, I, something that's really important for me as well, I interview a lot of really young people who are yeah. getting, uh, this might be like their first serious interview, mm -hmm. at least with someone as scary looking as I am. <laughs> and so uh, one of the things that I want to make sure they do is I want to make sure that they're not bombing this interview because they're nervous. Uh, so I try to immediately get people to loosen up, get them comfortable, let them know that it's actually okay to be nervous um, and let them know that the most important thing getting the job is one thing uh, it's actually going to be a lot worse for you if you get the job for the wrong reason so mm -hmm. like let's just really be ourselves because this is just as much about you than it is about us so and the company right so um, I think that you know b people are usually shy away from hiring someone who's shy um, uh, or kind of a little bit withdrawn I, I'm fine with that like maybe I'm intimidating maybe they're scared of bald guys right like you, you really don't know maybe they're just having a really rough day so I try to get people to be comfortable and open up um, and be themselves and then I 
kind yeah. of go in with my questions. I was super scared when I had an interview at, uh, at, at the, the previous company at Intellex. I, I remember I walked into an interview. It was super scary. I don't I don't know why. I think I had all the answers. Who was I, there? It was uh, Dalkey, Mark Dalkey, yeah. and uh, I think Carlos was there. Uh, and it's just that it was, I think, because I didn't have the practice I, you know, you, you don't really do a lot of interviews, so you don't, you don't, it's like, I have, like an analogy that I have, it's like meetup, you know, when right. you're, when you're not doing a lot of meetups, you're probably not going to be super comfortable meeting people, it took me like many, many, many of them to actually feel really comfy, and I know exactly what I need to say, and it was a similar experience, and it just was like, it was very, very uncomfortable, and I think it, other people could probably tell, but it went well. Well, I mean, so that was, that was a BDR role, and if you think about people interviewing for BDR, SDR roles, um, a lot of them have pretty much been training for that moment in their whole life. So when you finally get there, it's like, and you quickly realize that it's not what you thought it was going to be, um, especially with me, because like I walk in dressed super casual and I'm like being really friendly. And I think people are like, is this a test? Like, is this guy, is this guy <laughs> testing me? Is he, is he like, is this real? You know, why isn't he wearing a suit? And why isn't his hair done up? And where's like his fancy pen? And, you know, yeah. why isn't he looking angry and bringing in people to take notes? And so I think that that throws people off. So you have to, especially for entry-level roles, people who are early in their career, you have to be cognizant of that. Um, I'd prefer someone who comes in a little timid and a little shy versus come, someone who comes in with so much confidence that they're not feeling nervous at all. Because that concerns me because when you pick up the phone to make a cold call mm -hmm. you should be nervous because how nervous you are is going to drive how much prep you do and if you don't do any prep because you're not nervous you are probably not going to have a great early start to your career in sales and one of the most important yeah. things is how quickly you can ramp people up and make them productive yeah no absolutely as, as we all know of the quotas and and the limited time that is required by unfortunately company. but yes we do have a limited time frame to make sales work. Why don't you mention, Abdul, why didn't you mention the the kind of criteria that I loved was when you were hiring previous people in, in your previous companies that they had to have some experience outside of Canada. Yeah. And why was it important? Because I thought it was so interesting. Yeah, so that's, um, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so it is, it wasn't, it wasn't like a mandatory criteria, but it, it told me something about uh, a, a person if they had international travel experience. And I don't mean they went and spent a, like a week on a resort in Jamaica. That doesn't count. <laughs> um, but if you left your parents and you left your family and you left all your loved ones and you went to a country um, with nothing and you tried to make it work, there's two things that are true uh, about people in that situation. It's that A, they've been in scenarios where they knew that uh, they could go hungry at any point because they don't have roots. They don't have like a trust fund full of cash. Well, maybe some of them did, but I kind of make sure they didn't yeah. um, as a backup plan. So these people were out there and they had to make it work. Uh, and they've been in those scenarios where, hey, if I don't pull this off, um, the consequences are huge. And that's kind of a reality of sales for most of us. Um, and the other thing was that they got exposure to a, a standard of life that was way below what we have here in Canada. And so those people who traveled and often saw that people with a lot less money could be happy um, and people with a lot less opportunity could be happy tend to be really humble mm. and really appreciate what we have here. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Should I, do I go into that story about uh, the young lady from South Africa? Like, uh, you, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do it. So, that was a cool example. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, I, I was at Flash Talk and I... 
I hired, uh, I was interviewing a young lady who just came from South Africa. I was looking for her first job. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was her second job. She had, I think she was already working for mm-hmm. like Scotiabank at a call center. Um, and when I got to the point where we were a young, promising startup, and so we were looking for people who were joining, the, the base salary wasn't necessarily the most... Um, attractive but we had a lot of promise and the company did really well so we, we lived up to it um, so when I came to mention how much the offer was going to be for base salary I was expecting a bit of a hesitant reaction which is what I was used to um, but I think this woman coming fresh from South Africa when I told her what the base salary was and it was pretty low um, not going to say what it is in case yeah. Flash Talk's listening but uh, I when I told her she her jaw dropped and I was like oh boy here it comes and her jaw dropped because <laughs> she said, that's how much you'll pay me for picking up the phone 50 to 80 times a day? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, and you'll pay me an extra $30,000 <laughs> if I manage to get people to agree to take a call with me? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I accept the offer. And this was before I even made the offer. Um, and that, that kind of reaffirmed for me that, I'm not saying everybody in Canada who's never left doesn't recognize how lucky they are. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a theory until you actually go somewhere else and experience um, firsthand how mm. fortunate you are to be able to get paid money to try and sell a product to people. Um, try, right? Keyword yeah. being try. Absolutely. Like you get paid even if you don't. So long as you try, you're getting paid. And that's that's something that people really need to appreciate. Um and uh, that's that's one of the reasons why international travel and exposure is important to me. Yeah, no, that's, those are really great points. Now, for those listening who are in marketing or any other roles outside of sales, I want to throw this in. Why understanding sales is important, even if you're not in sales? What is what does that give you, and how can you use that from your from the business perspective? Um, I think one of one of the biggest things is that the. The, the mindset required to be successful in sales is transferable to any area of life. Uh, you could be a, a boxer, a, a father, you know, um, like I don't care what you're doing in your life. Having the mindset that is required to be successful in sales is applicable to any area of life. Mm. So that's number one. Um, B, if you, if you do care about money and you're money-driven, which is fine, um, I know I mentioned like it's not the most important thing and it doesn't guarantee success. It yeah. doesn't, but it's okay if you love money. Um, the top earning position in every single industry in the world is a salesperson. Uh, CEOs who are top earners in their companies, they're constantly selling. They're just they're right. selling to share. They're selling to shareholders, um, and they're doing it at scale. So anybody mm. who's making tons of money is in sales, and so you benefit to understand that. And then further to that whether you work in product you work in marketing you work support at the end of the day you're supporting uh, driving revenue for your business because like <laughs> companies can't exist without driving revenue yeah um, so even if you're not directly responsible for it there there's value to be realized for your company when you understand your contributions impact to revenue generation so uh, i think that's one of the reasons it's really important no, oh, absolutely. Great. These are super important. Now, you did reference a bunch of books, and we love books here. I, I love, I, I read a lot. Is there any anything else that you would say that was so good that you loved it from the sales perspective? Maybe you recently came across or just maybe classics? Yeah, so we, um, you know, what I recommend would really depend on where you're at in your career and what some of the gaps are that you're looking to work on. Um, but we talked about something that was super important, and that was mindset. And... Um, Resilience by Eric Graytons 
Um, I mean, he's he's got a lot of shit going on in his personal life, so yeah. you can Google that. Um, but that book that he wrote, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. Um, he wrote this book, and it's all about mindset. And it's essentially a group of letters that he wrote to a friend of his who uh, didn't handle coming back from retiring from the Navy uh, that well and ended up uh, in prison for like some bad choices that he made. And it's a series of letter back and forth about mindset. Um, and I found that book to be really, really, really powerful uh, mm. from a mindset perspective. Right. And then I'd say, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're trying to make this a very controversial <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't hurt. But yeah, like you're going you're gonna to make a lot of your listeners absolutely love you or I'm going to make a lot of your listeners yeah. absolutely love you or absolutely hate you or I guess love me or hate me. Um, but uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, 12 Rules, phenomenal book i mean i think even if mm-hmm. even if you don't agree with it it doesn't matter and part, like part of the thing that i like about jordan peterson is that his one of his deepest philosophies is that like you don't have to agree with people you right. don't have to like what they say to be able to talk to them about their opinions yep. and to get value out of them um and so in that book for me is a great example like read it you don't have to agree with it but you're going to take something away and you're either going to reaffirm your beliefs and they're going to get stronger or you're going to change your mindset towards a lot of things in life um, and it's a mindset that you probably wouldn't have come up with organically because you're not a clinical psychologist so, so you interesting I'm, I'm definitely checking it out yeah oh, you haven't read this book no i haven't oh, read man. it no uh audible i mean no. he sounds like kermit the frog so <laughs> if you have a yeah. problem with kermit the frog don't listen to the audible version just read it yeah but the 12 rules of life something to do with chaos i don't know what it's called but 12 rules I, I, yeah. i'll find it i'll find it i'll link it below it's super important i think yeah, it, yeah i definitely want to read that yeah and then the you know the he's he's got a few podcasts with um Joe Rogan, right? Oh. So I know you're not on Joe Rogan's level, but maybe that can be one of your goals to get Jordan Peterson on Aspirational. Yeah. So aspirational. Yeah. I think it's only episode 21, I believe, but I, I, I'll have to look it up. All right. Uh, Abdul, where's everybody can find you online before I ask my last question? Uh, I'm, so I'm in LinkedIn. Like, that's, that's a place to go. I'm like the only Abdul Haboob in the world, uh, let alone in Toronto. But yeah, you can go find me there, connect with me. Um, I do accept connection requests from strangers. I don't know why people are hesitant to do that. Like somebody's trying to sell you something. They don't have to connect with you to do it. They can do it anyway. Um, And to me, the bigger the network, the better. Unless you're fake. If you're a bot, if you look like a bot, not accepting. (laughs) Uh, But otherwise, yeah, reach out to me there. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll add uh, your link, your LinkedIn profile link to below. So everybody can find you there. Now, what impact would you like to have on the world? The reason I'm asking is we had this really cool discussion about, you know, minimizing regret in life and just making yeah. sure that, you know, the life is well lived and uh, you are doing something that you feel is important. So what would that, like, what impact would you like to have for, like, what would be the ideal one for you? Yeah, so um, I have this, I have a philosophy of, like, I think that, I think that the reason we exist is to, make society to make other people and to make the world a better place um and that that often for a lot of people is like oh yeah you know i want to go to third world countries and like feed the poor and like build houses and like i get that um and i i think that so your intentions are really all that matter and that's great i have this philosophy where you know like if you have like a little a little water fountain right and it's filthy it's just full of dirt and debris there's two ways that you can make that fountain cleaner the first way is to like get a filter, get a net, and just pick up all the dirt, scoop it out, dump it out, and then you're left with 
relatively clean water. The second way is to pour so much clean water into the fountain that eventually all that's left is it's so diluted that the, num the amount of dirt in there is like 1% instead mm -hmm. of 50, mm -hmm. and it's just full of clean water. And so I'm of the philosophy, you know what, this actually, this is metaphorically applies for diet. A lot of people try to cut out bad, nasty food. You know what, like if you just ate healthy food, you'd have no room for bad food. So yeah. there's two different ways to look at it. And so my mentality on how to make the world a better place is to fill it with more good people. Mm. And so for me, uh, the way to influence the people who are already in this world to be better is to be a good role model, right. A. And number two, this is where, uh, again, I'll either get a lot of fans or a lot of hate. Um, like, I think, I think, like, have kids and have kids, put your heart and soul into raising them. Absolutely. Um, the best way to step up, right? A hundred percent. And so, you know, I'm kind of early in that journey. I have a little guy right now. He's turning 10 months soon. Um, I plan on having as many as possible. It's up to my wife, really. But, yeah. <laughs> but I'll aim to have as many as I possibly can. And um, I think that that's one of the best ways to contribute to a better world. Just put more good people in it and influence people to be better the best way you can. Abdul, it was an absolute pleasure. Great interview. Really, really happy that you uh, came on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it.